Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, we're back for another week of Cinematics. This is Cinematics episode 194. I think all three of us on are, are pretty much on a really high note because we got to interview a very I, I a director that I love, Bruce Perky. Why don't you tell our listeners what we just came back from? Uh, we just had an interview with uh, director uh, Mark Pellington. Uh, probably you'll know him best for Arlington Road and maybe the Mothman Prophecies, but he's also, well, he's done a ton of stuff, including, well, you'll hear when the interview, he'll talk about some things. And you'll be like, oh, he did that. Oh, he did that. Interesting. Uh, yeah, we just had a great conversation with him about his new movie coming out next week, which we'll be discussing Survive. Survive, which stars Corey Hawkins and Sophie, what's her last name? Sophie something. Sophie. I was going to say Sophie B. Hawkins, Sophie Tucker, Sophie, Sophie something. She's uh, Sophie from Game of Thrones. Sophie put me on amazing. the spot. <laughs> and I think it's Sophie Tucker. <laughs> you think it, I think it's Sophie Tucker too. Is I it apologi- Sophie Tucker? I apologize. I wasn't so, because you know why? I, I pretty much know it's Sophie Tucker because whenever I would say Sophie, it would remind me of Tanya Tucker. It, it, I, it, I believe it's Sophie Tucker. Let's, let's just go with Is Sophie, Sophie Tucker. Turner? I, you know what? It's Sophie Turner. It is Sophie Turner. We apologize <laughs> to Mark Pellington. Yeah, we Sophie apologize. Turner. We, thank you, Eric Holmes. We apologize to all we, the Sophies we, out we there. We got old man brains. It happens. It by happens. the way, by the way, yes, I, I will say this, though. With all that, my fault, it's not Bruce's fault, my fault at, mis, at doing this whole thing with the Sophie, Sophie Turner and Corey Hawkins are very, very good next week on Survive. We're going to do a little mini review of it, all three of us. But most importantly, we will have a 45-minute interview, close to 45-minute interview, with filmmaker Mark Ponson. Very, very good. How do you think it went, Eric Holmes? And should I have asked a lot less questions and more questions should come from Bruce? Should I shut up next time when we uh, do the he, he said it was down to go until eight o'clock. And if we didn't have to do the podcast already, definitely would have taken him up on that. He he's like one of those uh one of those like veteran filmmakers that all his uh this is a family show, but all his F's are gone. <laughs> And he's just he's just a kind of guy that can you know shoot from the hip and just kind of speak his mind, and and not in a not in an a hole way, but in a uh, this is the truth of what I go through, and yeah, he's just really great to talk to, and I'd love to do it again. Yes, hopefully we'll, we'll get Mark Pellington on this. Hopefully Mark Pellington. I keep on telling him. I hope he does his own podcast down yeah. the road. Bruce, you agree? You 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 Eric? Yeah, he could be really good, especially like with we mentioned about bringing on people and how he put together people that he's worked with. That could be really, really, really fun. He's a great conversationalist. And I, I was trying to be, I was trying for the backhanded compliment when we started our interview with Mark Pellington. I said, like, Eric and Bruce are the smarter ones. He didn't rebut it. He says, well, at least I have the radio voice. So I think he already knows I'm pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I think he was saying that we don't have good voices. That's what he was saying. <laughs> oh, come on. Get out of here. Get out of here. So, Both accurate. Yeah, you know. Here we go. Here we go. Stop, stop, stop. Okay, so that was Mark Pellington. Now, Bruce, how was your weekend over at the Southern Fried Film Festival? You did you come upon a gem that people should probably check out down the road? I don't know. Yeah, I did. And hopefully we'll 
come back to it at some point, and I'll just mention it quickly here. I, so there was a lot of good movies there. Unfortunately, I would have liked to have seen probably four or five, but with my schedule and everything, I, I, I couldn't. But I did get it out there to see The World Is Not My Own, which is a documentary uh, about a artist that started in like 1900 and ended in the 70s. And I'll put her name down really quick here and then we'll move along. Uh, Nellie Mae Rowe. I don't know if you remember a while back, we did a documentary on a on an artist, uh, a folk artist from the South. But this one is quite interesting and quite quite interesting in the way it's presented. And it's a really, really, really good documentary. So I'll just kind of leave it at that. And hopefully we get to talk about it at some point. Other things that were at this film festival, we mentioned before that they had, they had Linoleum there. Uh, they had Joyland there. And they also had some other things I wanted to see, which was a documentary about Little Richard and uh, Black Barbie. I really wanted to see that, but I had to work during Black Barbie. I will say this about linoleum, and I forgot what kind of rating I gave it. I don't know if I give it a five-star banger or four and a half stars, but listeners, I, I don't know. I'm sure Eric and Bruce are right behind me, or they, they can even express it better than I can. Linoleum starring Jim Gaffigan and a host of others is uh, close to a classic, I think. And the final moments of linoleum, Eric, is there a way you can describe the final moments of linoleum without giving uh, too, too much away? If you, no. if you recall, <laughs> oh, no, no. Scrumtralescent. I'll say it's scrumtralescent. Any kind of modifier you can give the final moments of linoleum because that one really hit me right where it counts, I think. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's literally and figuratively uplifting. How's that? There you go. Okay, so Bruce, I <laughs> I, I believe <laughs> it is up right uplifting. I I think one of these things. It's a fantastical film, but the final moments of linoleum smacks of absolute true life, and that's the scary part of how linoleum works. It is something that it as fantastical as the story is, it goes right back to who we are as people where we are going and it, it doesn't compromise. It's a very uncompromising ending. I love linoleum. And one of these days, maybe um, Eric Holmes will visit you, Bruce, over at Southern uh, Fried Film Festival and you guys can hang out over the weekend. I'm not going to, I don't leave the house. So I, I mean, Eric, are you gonna, Are you down for Alabama? You get for next, maybe next year to hang out with Bruce? I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not against it. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, uh, we yeah. have an extra bed over here and right next to the recording studio. You could, Sweet. Could, I'm could, moving in. <laughs> <he could>. <laughs> <laughs> He could be laying there doing the podcast. <laughs> hey, what do you say, Eric? Just throw the microphone over at him. <laughs> okay, so for this episode, we have a bunch of movies to cover. I, I'm just going to very quickly mention the Netflix release Extraction 2. There's a movie called Maggie Moore. Nope, it's not Maggie Moore. It's Maggie Moore's? Who knows what that is? And there's a movie called Blue Jean, which I, I believe Bruce and I saw. Eric, did I told you not to see it. Did you heed my advice and not? Did you not see Blue Jean? Thank you. I, you, I did you not did. see blue. I started blue jean. I was not able to get all the way through it, but I'm probably going to finish that one. You could probably finish. Okay. Fair enough. And I, I, I tell you just to save your time, but you end up watching, you and Bruce end up watching almost everything. And we, we're going to wrap up with this movie called bone cold, which Eric Holmes is a very big supporter of. Now, I think for the first featured review, this is a movie that I really wanted to see. It's called Maggie Moore's, and it stars John Hammond and, and Tina Fey. It seems like from the trailer, it might be a Coen Brothers-esque movie. Unfortunately, I did not get to see this movie, but Bruce and Eric got to check it out. Bruce, can you lead off with your the synopsis of what you know, Maggie Moore's is all about? Yeah, yeah, Maggie Moore's. Uh, you're right. I think this has... 
very much influenced by Coen Brothers. And when you kind of describe the setup of it, you'll kind of see that. We will mention it's directed by John Slattery. He's one of those guys that you'll probably know by his face and his silver hair, maybe more than by his name. Uh, he co-starred with uh, John Hamm on Mad Men. So I'm guessing there's some reason that they ended up together on this project. But the basic concept of this is you have this super loser dude, and he is running this... Well, oh my gosh, there's so many <laughs> subplots in this. Uh, he runs a franchise of like this uh, sandwich shop, and he's doing some shady stuff. The shady stuff's kind of coming back to haunt him a little bit. And let's just say at some point, his wife might be in danger. Her name is Maggie Moore. And at some point, based on what happens to her, another Maggie Moore that lives in town may also be in danger. So And so ensues this kind of intertangled web of semi-comic, semi-serious misadventures and, you know, nefarious plots. And you've got John Hamm as the local cop. And you've got Tina Fey as the neighbor of the the loser dude that sets it all in motion. She's kind of like the neighbor in uh, Bewitched. She's looking out her window all the time and she sees things and she's starting to suspect things. And John Hamm meets her and... There's kind of a little romance, but also some mystery she's going to help out with as well. That's the basic setup. It's just yeah. kind of these, all these crazy characters and all of these interweaving, like interweaving crime plots that kind of all build upon each other and get out of control. Talented ensemble. It seems like a comedy drama thing. And it yeah. like it could really work. I, Eric Holmes, before we get to Bruce's review of Maggie Moore's, did this movie work for you? It seems quirky. I'm looking here. Cheating husbands, lonely hearts, nosy neighbors, contract killers. It has all these really great ingredients. Is it a good meal or would you not eat this meal again? Well, I, I think so. Uh, this is like this is like a murder mystery where the audience has perfect information. You know what happened, you know, but it's not about who did the murder, who, you know, exactly who killed who and why they killed it. it. It's more about watching the murderers kind of cover the tracks and then seeing if the detectives trying to find out, see if they can pick up the pieces and figure everything out. This kind of right up my alley The the humor was right up my alley. Bruce mentioned Coen brothers. It felt a lot uh, similar to like big Lebowski. Where it's just oh. kind of, uh, Whoa, it was kind okay. of, uh, really, really lighthearted. It got dark when it needed to get dark, but mostly it's, uh, actually, Bruce, before I even watch it, because I was asking Bruce kind of what it's like, he's like, oh, you guys might like it. It was similar to Fletch. I'm like, sweet. Oh, <laughs> <You can't wait. laughs> Love that. John Hamm was great um, in Fletch. Like, now, what is it called? Fletch Confesses or something? Fletch. I forgot. Confess Fletch. Fletch. Now, okay, that's, thank you. That said, I love Confess Fletch. I love Fool's Paradise. And, you know, those reviews go out and the, uh, the consensus is you guys don't know what you're talking about. That we sucked. Uh, that might be the case for this, but I really, really bought into it. Oh, what, what was that? I think it's called Arizona with uh, raising, raising Arizona. No, not Arizona. raising Arizona. I think Arizona it's Dream. Ar- I think it's just oh, called oh, Arizona. Oh yeah, yeah, Arizona. Right, Arizona. Yeah, the movie Arizona. The, yeah. This had a lot of uh, similar DNA to that one, where it kind of plays like a dark comedy, but there's also like some you know intrigue going into it. I really enjoyed this one quite a bit. 99 minutes it was worth it it was a worthy 99 minutes for you eric holmes yeah yeah okay they they, they didn't pump the brakes at all one once you know normally a movie goes on you'll have that that really good starting scene and then it just kind of takes a nosedive for about a half hour before the story picks up again I, at least from my perspective didn't do that at all it just kept going and okay. i was along for the ride the entire time 
Now, Bruce, were you along for the ride or does the word nosedive, is it apropos to how you're <laughs> feeling about this movie? Well, this movie really made me appreciate how hard it is to do what the Coen brothers do, because this movie is not made by the Coen brothers. This movie, <laughs> and this movie is, yeah, no, this movie did not work at all. I think easily. Did you Maybe. laugh, Bruce? Did you laugh at all? No, that's one of the major problems of this movie. This movie, humor-wise, was absolutely a, a dud for me. It tried really hard, but it did not work for me. I think I wrote woof. Usually that's a good sign I'm not enjoying a movie very much. I wrote woof at about the 30-minute mark. I, Were you laughing because you had to see the movie, Bruce? <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, okay, on the plus side, uh, first of all, obviously the cast is amazing. Sure. There's great people here that I, I mean i really wanted to like this out of the gate i'm like oh look who's in this, this is awesome this should be it and and it did move at a brisk pace i mean i kept kept me going i watched the whole thing i wasn't like you know looking at my watch and all that kind of stuff but it wasn't working the way it was supposed to work for me it was one of those movies and i think eric will get this and this is always with comedy it's this is a tough one right it's like you just know if it's working for you or if it's not working for you. And perfect example would be, there's a character in here that's kind of this hitman dude, right? And he's supposed to be hard of hearing. So that, you know, his cartoons are blaring when the guy comes in and there's this kind of back and forth between the two. And he's mad, you know, the, the loser guy's mad because he has to yell because the TV's so loud. And the other guy has the TV so loud because he can't hear very well. And there's this really odd, strange conversation between the two as they're trying to arrange a hit on somebody, or in this case, a scare on somebody. They're trying to, you know, just basically scare somebody. And it was supposed to be funny. And I was just like, oh boy, this, this, no, this is not working, not working for me at all. Is this movie derivative? No, only only in the sense of like, it's that kind of, that style of story that you talk, we talk about Coen Brothers or other things. So I don't think it's derivative as far as that stuff goes. Uh, it's okay. Better way to describe this. Wes Anderson totally works on some people. His style of quirk his style of style. And for other people, it's like nails on a chalkboard. And for me, this kind of had the, when I'm, when Wes Anderson is not working for me, this is kind of had the same effect on me that this movie does. It's not the same style, but it's like all of the quirk in this was too try hard for me. And just, it just didn't work. It wasn't my sensibility. Hashtag try hard. We're going to close out before we get to the re reviews. Final Comments from Eric Holmes to bring up Maggie Moore's from the abyss where Bruce left it. Any final no, comments? That's not that bad. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I I love the comedy. I love the uh, the the intrigue and trying to watch everyone put the pieces together that I already know where they go. But it's fun watching them try to uh, put it together. Yeah, I really like this a lot. I'd probably go four and a half. Four and a half stars from Eric Holmes. Okay. What about you, Bruce? I will go two stars, and I will say they they should be it should even be lower for mishandling the use of Nick Muhammad so badly in this movie. I, is that the is that the uh, John Hamm's partner? Yeah, Ted Lasso. Guy. Oh, I loved him in this. <laughs> he was absolutely underutilized in this movie. Okay, <laughs> okay, shout out to him. What is his name again? He's he's very good. Ted Lasso, that guy. Uh, Nick Muhammad. It? If I have it right, I always write the names down. Yeah, wrong, so who knows? <laughs> I could be yeah. wrong. <laughs> Yeah, hey, don't look at me. I'm the one who did the whole Sophie fiasco at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Sophie Tucker, I think this is an old torch singer. I might be wrong, but <laughs> we gotta we gotta Google that. Sorry, Sophie Turner, for my my apologies. Okay, that is Maggie Moore's. It's in theaters and on demand, June 16th. Four and a half stars from Eric Holmes. Two stars. I guess a generous two stars from Bruce Perky. Now is Bruce Perky and me. I'm not gonna say my name. I I'll say my name. Greg Josephasti. Are we going to like this movie called? Blue Jean. Well, there might be a, a chance because 
Eric Holmes is not finished with Blue Jean, and he actually said he might actually finish the movie, which, wow, that's a good sign. It could work. I'm trying to think of what the plot line behind Blue Jean is. I think it's set in 1988 London, uh, 1988 England, and it centers on this physical education teacher, high school teacher, a PE teacher, and she her name's Jean, played by Rosie McEwen. You might know Rosie McEwen. Some of you might know Rosie McEwen from a year ago. She started in a movie called Vesper, and she was very good in Vesper. And she's here in playing Jean in Billie Jean. She is a lesbian physical education teacher. The thing is, in 1988 England and it, within Margaret Thatcher's conservative government, the rights for gay people in, in the workforce not so very good around that that year. So what she's what Jean is trying to do is she's trying to stay in the closet and try to stay on straight and what narrow in in her in her job and not tell everyone what her her private life is. So she doesn't want the students to know. She doesn't want the faculty to know. She just wants to be a school teacher, PE, gym teacher, and live her life. The problem is she has a love interest. She is with a loving girlfriend and they seem to be the perfect match. And they probably are. The only problem is things, this is 1988 England and there's a lot of societal pressures. Her girlfriend is out and confidently out as she should be, but Jean is still trying to play the conservative conservative game and keep her secret a secret. That is the premise of Blue Jean. Again, I, I think it's a great performance from Rosie McEwen. This is one of these movies written and directed by Georgia Oakley. I was 20 minutes in the movie. I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be a 97 minute slog. It ended up being something else for me. It ended up being an enriching first rate drama. I was surprised at how much I really enjoyed and appreciated the storytelling behind Blue Jean. Now let's start off with Bruce, I was, I was going to say Eric Holmes. You're like, you're 10 start off there. What do you think Go so far? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric, Eric, what do you think? Okay, so no. Bruce Burke, I, re- I really liked it. <laughs> the first 20 minutes <laughs> Complete, was great. <laughs> well, I didn't even get that far. I got like five minutes, but uh, okay. Yeah. What, what, okay, so yeah, you're, you're five minutes in and look, return next week. Maybe if you have time, tell us what you think of Blue Jean for the rewind. Bruce yeah, Burke, for Blue sure. Jean. Yeah. Blue Jean, was it something, do you kind of agree that this this was a movie that was worth watching? Myself, Yes, I do. I was kind of in the same camp as you, uh, Greg. And, and I, yeah. uh, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, I was kind of like, I'm not so sure this could just meander for 90 minutes and go nowhere. I mean, you know, you have those movies that are character pieces, but they also just kind of sit there and don't do anything. And this- Because this, they're like aligned. They, they're yeah. just And it has the stakes and you're- but, it does deal with those things and it does really draw her character out very, very well. It lets you sink in so you can really understand who she is, which I think is key to this movie, you know, absolutely key to this movie. And I think to me, what really set it apart and what made it kind of work better than, than what I worried it might be was the way it let her character be kind of highly flawed. Like she, I could see a version of this movie where she's chased, faced with the challenges that she faces in this movie and makes all the right choices or all the choices you want her to make as a audience member, where you're kind of looking for the, the underdog to fight the power and do the right things, right? You know what I mean? Like this movie set up, it could be that kind of movie and it goes ways that I think are much more human and much more interesting and really makes it challenges us to sometimes like her as much as you think you're supposed to like her because i don't think you're necessarily supposed to quote like her you're supposed to understand her i appreciate that about this movie and i think that makes it a really good character piece as opposed to just kind of a by the books uh, you know indie porn right it could be that indie porn kind of movie that that 
Eric hates. It might still be that <laughs> to Eric, yeah. but I think he might, he might appreciate it too. Uh, it's, it, it's kind of funny. It's like the reverse of the movie we just talked about. Like I could totally see how you, Eric might really like the movie. I just watched it. I didn't and vice versa. I could see him totally not liking this movie, you know, just the way I do like it. But um, I did, I appreciate it quite a bit. I forgot to mention Lois. There's a character named Lois played yes. by Lucy Halliday and she is the student, a main student of Jean's and Lois is gay. And she is threatening, I guess, in her own way. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know how to even, I don't even, I don't think threatening is the right word, but no. she is telling Lois, uh, Lois is telling Jean, hey, what's, you should, what's going on? And, you know, she, she's looking at Jean as a, as a sort of, not a parental figure, but sort of as a, a model to uh, just as far as just to get some kind of insight or support or input. And Gene wants that secret to, again, remain a secret. So there is a push and pull relationship between Gene and Lois that the way it comes out within the narrative without giving too much away, it that's what really hooked me in. Because Gene's decision-making is, while it could be justified under certain circumstances, it is absolutely very frustrating to watch. Yes. To see every... it, It really grabs you. And like Bruce was saying, this... Blue Jean could have been a very feel-good movie that you say, hey, this is very cool. This is an underdog story in 1988, and she overcomes, right. and she stands up to everybody. And then eventually, it might have a more populist appeal, but eventually you forget about it because it'll be vanilla, right? But Blue right. Jean is really smacks more of reality. So yeah, I, I ended up really, really loving Blue Jean. Final thoughts on Blue Jean, Bruce Berkey. Uh, I, mean, I think we pretty much covered. I think this is a really, really solid indie movie, and I think a lot of people could enjoy this, and hopefully they'll discover it. I would give it four stars. You look like you're going to say something else there, Greg. Rosie McEwen, uncanny yes. resemblance to Nicole Kidman in this movie. A little bit. Did you did you see a little bit of that? I could uh, see that. Ever? Yeah, a young okay. young Nicole Kidman. Well, someone else I was trying to think of. Oh, do you remember Laurie, her? Laurie Singer. Like, a little Laurie Singer. Okay, maybe? very good. Laurie Singer from the eighties, right? Right. Laurie Singer from the movie Fame and Shortcuts. Yeah, I could see a little bit of that as well. But yeah, do you guys remember her from Vesper? She was the the uh, what what that very interesting figure that yes yes she's i don't want to even describe that character in vesper because that would be kind of a, a little bit of a spoiler so anyways blue jean it was in new york last week on june 9th june 16th it'll be playing in la and it'll have a really in- interesting rollout and eric holmes will probably watch blue jean and tell us what he thinks of the film all right now this is an Eric Holmes show now because right now we are going to roll up Eric Holmes. Yes, you, 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 it's not, uh, you, are you going to tell me it's so, not your show? Wait, wait, so Greg, wait. so Greg, what what was your score on Blue Jean? Oh, well, oh my, yeah, Blue Jean. <laughs> I'm giving it um, a uh, yeah. I I think I'm going to give it uh, a Sophie Tucker uh, rating of no, no. I'm going to give it my rating for it. Thank you, Eric Holmes. I'm not doing a very good job this week. Four stars for Blue Jean because I like to copy. Bruce Berkey with his four stars. And I, and I rarely get four stars as well. So Blue Jean, four stars from Bruce, both me and Bruce. Surprising. I think it surprised both of us, which was very, very good. Now, Eric, thank you so much for, for actually saving me again. You're going to save this segment because this is the Eric Holmes segment. Two words, bone cold. Go, Eric. Yes, this one's... Uh, that I like this one a lot. I, I, I did an interview with... Uh, writer director billy hansen and it was a strange interview because uh normally like you get in you get like five 
10, 15 minutes, whatever. This one, it was just me and him and we're just going off. And, and I explain a lot of what I think of the movie within the interview, but for anyone that hasn't heard it yet, it's not exactly the movie you think it is going in. So it, it starts off, uh, basically you got, you got this guy, you know, shows him in war. And then he comes back home. He's got some PTSD. And then him and his partner go out and, you know, they do like black ops stuff. And they're supposed to, they have a uh, person they're supposed to assassinate or kill or whatever. They do that and they kill him and they're about to leave and come to find out they got the wrong guy. And now they're trying to process that while trying to stay alive. It's it, And then stuff happens later on that I really, really don't want to get into because I was not, ex- I, it might be in the trailer. I don't know because I haven't, still haven't seen the trailer. But it goes places I was not expecting. We'll talk about survival next week, where it starts off as like kind of yeah. kind of girl interrupted, yeah. and then goes into alive, and then goes into something like this is this is one of those movies that you think it's one thing, and then it goes somewhere completely different, which is great, and then it ends somewhere else entirely different that I just absolutely love. This movie's really good, and the you know we talk about you know filmmakers that. You know, certain filmmakers have hundred million dollar budgets, and this one, I believe, Billy Hansen pretty much raised the money himself, funded the movie himself, so he's got like very little to work with, and he made a fantastic movie. I love this movie. We have to mention the actors involved. Like Eric was saying, there's two snipers. One of them is played by Jonathan Stoddard. He's the main one. He plays the sniper, John. John has a family. The aforementioned PTSD that John suffers obviously comes at the expense of whenever he comes home. He is. He has a severe case of PTSD. It obviously affects his relationship with his wife and his daughter. There's also Matt, actor Matt Monroe. He plays the other, not the sniper. He's a sniper. But he's a spotter, right? He's a spotter. He plays Marco. So a lot of the movie, a big chunk of the movie deals with them out in the snowy wilderness, trying trying to hit that quote unquote mark. And when they do, and they realize it's it's not actually the real mark, things go sideways for both of them. Bone cold. If you look at it, the poster, there is a very mysterious figure that you're like, it says here, bone cold. Sometimes we make our own demons. So you're wondering, is that figure in bone cold a demon, a monster? Is there a monster or supernatural creature within the confines of this narrative? We're not going to, me and Eric will not say if the creature is real or if there is a creature in this movie. Just know that this movie is sort of a theme on PTSD. It's also, there's also, um, Adventure action sequences. There's also friendship, family drama thing. There's uh, Eric. It's kind of a hybrid movie. Would you agree on this? It's like one movie. Yeah. yeah and and also like, one yeah. one of the fun parts about this is watching them work together as a team. That has nothing to do nothing to do with the PTSD stuff, but the the way the action air quote action sequences of them setting up the sniper, setting up the job they got to do, and executing it. Like they don't rush through that. You're there with them kind of, you know, doing a stakeout for hours on end and doing like all that stuff was just the way it was put together was really fascinating to me. And, and it's kind of like, it, it doesn't move at a snappy pace. And normally movies like that bug me. Cause they just, it's like, nothing's happening, but the way it is, the way it's presented here, I'm kind of like, Oh, okay. I see what they're doing now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see the strategy of what they're setting up and how they're, you know, doing things. And it, it just, yeah. And, and the suspense on top of that, when things go wrong, was even better. Yeah, And the family drama stuff is downright harrowing. Yeah. There's a third act here that really 
pushes the I mean pushes the envelope in a positive in a positive way in a storytelling fashion. I was really impressed with the family drama at the third act. They're just a very interesting movie. It, it feels like you said possibly Billy Hansen financed it or maybe it's financed the whole thing himself. It feels like a movie that was actually directed by someone who had final cut. Like he had his own control of the movie and it just feels like it's his own language, which I really appreciated regarding Bone Cold. Final thoughts on Bone. By the way, Bone Cold, we have a giveaway on one of our sites. I think it's on our Find Your Film or Deepest Dream site. I'm going to put the link on our show notes. We, we're doing a lot of giveaways. By the way, Bruce, have you ever heard of this movie called Chevalier? Chevalier with uh, Cal. Have you, it's like a, yeah, there's a, there's a, I'm going to get to Chevalier in a second, but Bone Cold it's a movie that I really enjoyed. It's on digital Blu-ray and DVD this week. We have Wellgo USA entertainment, Eric Holmes, final thoughts on bone cold and your rating. Yeah, this one's uh this one's uh, really rough around the edges, uh, very low budget, but I think uh, with what they had to work with, uh, they, they made a banger probably do four and a half on this, but maybe once I watch it a fourth time, I've seen it three times already. <laughs> <laughs> it might go up to about five. Wow. Okay. So that might go out to, might go out to five stars from Eric Hunt, but he is giving it four and a half stars. They, they, I'm giving, they, this yes. reminds me of the first time I watched Undisputed 2. Sorry, I'm going way too long on this. No, no, this no, reminds no, no. me of the first time I saw Undisputed 2. It was directed video. I had not much high hopes on it. And then it just blew me away. And then I that's where I discovered Scott Atkins and I, I loved it. This kind of this kind of gave me that same kind of chill. Okay, I hope you don't give us some, any more chills, Eric Holmes, because this is another Eric Holmes segment part due. You're gonna get, you're gonna actually do a little machine gun round of your the features that are also coming yes. out this week. I believe there's a movie gonna go. Actually, Bruce, you're gonna go get into this. American, what is that about? Amer- American, what do you, you guys? You want to th- say something about American? It's, uh, <laughs> Eric is just sitting there. I think yeah. he's purposely just sitting there. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought I thought Bruce was getting into this first. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Well, American's a documentary about uh, the uh, what's economic inequality in the U.S. or social and yeah, economic inequality. Yeah, uh, you know what? Per Eric's command, Bruce Berkey, <laughs> American, America, American. Was it a movie that documentary that you? Cotton too, I guess. I mean, yes. Cotton in our podcast, um, but go ahead. This yeah. is one of those movies that when you watch these documentaries, there's two, a couple things, right? It's about the mer- or inequality in the economic system in America, but I think even more importantly, it really gives you a history lesson on how we got to this point. And I think that also another problem with these kind of movies is that you can a lot of times feel like, oh, it's going to be the Democrats are great and Republicans are terrible, or vice versa, you know, depending on the point of view it's taking. Uh, and I think this this movie has a lot of blame to throw all directions for how it's happening, but it also is unapologetic in saying that this system is messed up and how it is messed up, and it shows you in no uncertain terms the ways that it's messed up. And I think this is going to be a movie that a certain percentage of people are going to probably watch and feel like they're already behind it and will be even more frustrated and get even more information than they already had. I feel like I kind of fall in that camp. And I think there's another group of the population that won't watch it because they'll think it's just propaganda from the other side. And that's a shame because I feel like that side of the crowd is also getting, if not as much, maybe even more so screwed over by this system. And they're being used by the system as kind of the foot soldiers and they're the ones being screwed by the very system that's using them. 
Uh, I don't, I don't know how much Eric agrees with that, but uh, he might, I'm sure he's going to chime in too. No matter how you look at it, this is a harrowing movie. And I think everybody here can identify to some degree with what it talks about. And it shows you a ton of great examples of people, you know, people in Florida, there are these people in these apartment complexes that are just all getting evicted during COVID uh, and the ways that that system is set up to make them fail. And I just think about myself personally, I live in Alabama right now. Part of the reason I live in Alabama right now is that my wife got MS. She can't work anymore. We have one income. I can't live in a big city in the West Coast for my one income. Not the way that we used to, not where we used to. So we moved to a place where we can live. And even here, it's tough. And that's just like a small example. And we have it pretty good compared to a lot of people. So this is this is kind of essential viewing, I think, for anyone who wants to understand what's happening and why it's happening. I think it's, it's a pretty excellent documentary. You know, Bruce, I, I just don't like that propaganda speak you just did right now. I'm That's gonna cut okay. You you I like hashtag foot soldier. I, are you a foot soldier, Eric Holmes, like me? Or what do you think of America? No. Do you, do you agree? no. Oh, no. Okay. okay. It's, I, I don't walk. Come on. <laughs> I, just, I just lay on my back and roll around. Yeah, we got oh. the bed right here, man. Right here, right here. I'm telling you. Roll around. The dog will be with you. Uh, the, this documentary is really good. Um, and unfortunately, it's the one that no one's going to learn a lesson from because, you know, but at the same time, the people in the documentary, they're not waiting for someone to come save them. They're they're making their own future. They're kind of, uh, you know, fighting against the system to turn things around on their own terms as tough as they, that might be, especially with a lot of the societies like uh, the haves need it, then we should give it to them. As soon as the have nots need literally anything, it's, oh, well, you need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. It's like, oh yeah, the billionaires can't pull themselves up by the bootstraps. We need to hold mm-hmm. their hand. But, uh, but you know, uh, the, well, they're too the big have- to fail. You know that, right? Oh yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the biggest con <laughs> lie that we were ever fed with a shovel, I might add. But uh, yeah, this uh, this this documentary is really kind of you know it really gets under my skin and really aggravating to watch. Not because it's bad, but just because it's the truth. We we just watch ourselves just constantly doing the wrong things. But thankfully, there's other people in the world that will fight for themselves and make things better for the rest of us. It's not going to be the people that could do it the easiest, unfortunately, but that's kind of what this documentary is about. Okay, so that is Americon. And yeah, what is your rating on this documentary? By, by the way, Americon right now is, I believe, available. Is it available on, on DVD or? No, it's not available on DVDs or on I think it's it's actually screening in various cities right now as we speak. So it's rolling out. Bruce, your ratings on Americond. I'm going to go four and a half. The only thing that keeps it from being five is I wish they could have got a few more people that were overtly conservative. The conservative people who have been destroyed by the system too, to really be a huge presence in on the ground in this movie. I would have liked to have seen that because it is the truth. But other than that, it's, it's, it's nearly five star, four and a half. Wow. Very good rating for you, Bruce Perky. And also, I will be putting the website link on our show notes. So if you need any more information on how to actually watch this movie, Americond, strong recommendation from Bruce Perky. Eric Holmes, your thoughts, your ratings? I'm right there with Bruce. The conservative angle would have been nice to have, but even without it, I think it's uh, pretty truthful or as truthful as you can be with something like this. Yep. Okay. Very cool then. And that is Americon. Before we get to Bruce Perky's What's in the Bleeping Box, What's in the Box, we got something elemental. 
What you got, Eric Holmes? Yes. Uh, so this is another one. I, I did another interview with uh, Dr. Trip Jennings. Thankfully, at the, at the time of the interview, I wasn't uh, kind of messed up on my end. But uh, Trip Jennings was a joy to have on there. And he has absolutely carried the interview. And he made a pretty fantastic documentary as well. It's basically about wildfires. And it mixes in why wildfires kind of happen, a mixture of, you know, climate change, humans doing certain things. You know, they talk about people doing controlled burns and how that works. They talk about like the, you know, we had the Waldo Canyon fire here in Colorado. Actually, we had a, a Black Forest fire as well. There was a couple fires in your neck of the woods, Greg. And yeah. they, they have, there's some footage of people trying to escape those fires. And they're talking about like how the tires on the cars are melting. Like that's how hot it is. Like you see the fire, you see the fires. Like when I, when we had the fire here in Waldo Canyon and Black Forest, like there was definitely a bunch of haze, but I wasn't caught in the middle of the fire. And you actually get footage of people caught in the middle of it and like how they're surrounded. They don't know which way out is. It looks like it's nighttime when it's like, you know, in the middle of the day. It's very, very scary to watch. But then they go do other interviews with like a fire, you know, firefighters and people trying to, you know, because they look at the aftermath. Here's a bunch of burnt houses. Here's one house that's untouched. Why is that? And then so you get a bunch of the science on how to uh, fight wildfires or prevent collateral damage when they do come about. Uh, Trip Jennings went in hard with this. Just anything you could want to know about wildfires, whether how they start, how they spread, technology that's used to uh, combat it. This was very thorough, very great documentary, and I hope everyone watches it. Okay, so Elemental Reimagine Wildfire is currently available on TVOD, digital, and TBD. We'll have a link to that as well on our show notes over at Cinematics. Eric, what I'm, I'm looking at the Google notes. You, you lied. Did you, are you giving it zero stars? What? No. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, not. I, no, I have glaucoma. So what is it? What did it say? Right. Well, how many stars did you get this? No, this, this one's, this one's five stars. Absolutely. The, the trip chainings left no stone unturned. I don't know how you make like for doing a documentary about wildfires and the, the documentary he wanted to make. I don't know how you do a better one than this. Like, okay, I, so I don't know. There's nothing else to say. Like, he put everything on the table and made a great documentary as a result. Okay. That is five stars from Eric Holmes for Elemental Reimagine Wildfire. And again, the interview with, with what's his name, Trip, will be available on our Find Your Film podcast feed. Bruce Perky, why did you not see this? Because you're supposed to, I have on the Google notes that you have like five <laughs> or six recommendations. You see about 20 movies a week. Did you decide to skip one of them? You're not a yeah, wildfire I said, fan. I, 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 I honestly wanted to try to get this one in too. <laughs> well, one thing you were able to get to. Oh, wait, Pete, drop those digital codes. When I mean digital codes, there's a. I have three digital codes available for this movie called Chevalier. And Chevalier, it stars Kelvin Harrison Jr. as the illegitimate son of an African slave and a French plantation owner. So that is Chevalier, and he becomes a celebrated violinist, composer, and fencer, complete with an ill-fated love affair and a falling out with Marie Antoinette, played by Lucy Boynton and her court. Thank you to Searchlight Pictures for giving us three digital codes of Chevalier. It's available to our listeners over at Cinematics and Find Your Film. I'll put the, the giveaway up soon on one of our websites. And Bruce, Eric, I have an idea. Why don't I put up the Chevalier digital codes up there? There's three available for our wonderful listeners and supporters. 
but we'll just take them ourselves. You know what I'm saying? What, what do you think? Do you think what, Bruce, Eric, what do you think? Why don't we just steal these digital codes? Is, is there anything cool with that? Or, you know, it's, it's that American. I'm going to pull an American on people. What do you think? Bruce, Eric, should, should we do that or no? What, what? Yes. No, we should not do that. <laughs> no, we should not do that. The digital codes are not for me, Bruce and Eric. And no, we're not going to do American. By the way, I can't wait to see that documentary. Can't wait to also see Chevalier. So check out on our show notes where you can get, where you can actually get into our Chevalier digital code giveaway. Pete, I know you didn't drop those digital codes. Let us, Pete, please, what does he do every single week, Bruce Berkey? Rock that beat. Friday, clear hearts. Yes, pure hearts, stolen and hearts. What is, what is that? Yes. Every comes. week, every week, Pete rocks the beat. But this week, he birthdays that beat. Remove your hand from the box. And you die. What's in the box? Pain. Oh, it's his yeah. birthday. Happy 60th birthday, Peter Beta. You are only 69, six, but whatever. He was counting. Yeah, so again, Peter Beta from the Middle Class Film Class. He's a great supporter of our show, and Bruce and Eric definitely support him and his endeavors at the Middle Class Film Class and love them. I love those guys as well. So, Bruce. Clear hearts, pure minds, stone hearts, liquid liquidity. What is that? What are they saying in Friday Night Lights? Did it make you tear up? Are you crying? Oh, oh so so many tears. Friday Night Lights, two thousand four. Peter Berg directed. Yeah, I've never seen this movie. This is one of those movies that's been around forever. I've just I've I've heard about it. I remember when they made it into a TV series for a few years at least. Very successful. Um, yeah, this is definitely one of the more popular popular football movies in the last what twenty five years. There's been a few big ones. This is definitely right up there in a lot of people's minds. Billy Bob Thornton. You know how it's weird? I had heard of this movie forever. I did not know Billy Bob Thornton was in it <laughs> until I watched it. And it started, I was like, oh, he's in this movie. Okay, cool. He's in a lot of movies where he's coaches, I think. Uh, it also has a few other people you might know. Uh, Lucas Black, Garrett Hedlund, a bunch of people. Basic concept. It's a Texas town that lives and breathes high school football. When, I know, uh, it's now. Yeah, when, uh, and I, I can relate to that. I'm in Alabama town. And when, you know. Friday nights, a lot of the people in town go to the football game. Not as much as in this town in this movie, where they basically put signs on all the doors saying, you know, at the game, or, you know, gone yeah. at the game, that kind of stuff. And at the very beginning of it, it's the beginning of their season. And I wrote down the year, 1988, this is supposed to be taking place. This is a period piece. They are expected to win the championship from the beginning of the season. That's the expectation. They have uh, this one star player, Booby Miles, Played by, uh, I may have it wrong. I always get these names wrong. Derek Luke is what I wrote down. Hopefully I'm right. Yes. He is expected to go on to college and just be a superstar. He's expected to, you know, maybe get the Heisman. Who knows? He He's, you know, cocky. He's He knows he's the, he can do everything. He can catch. He can run. He, he's, he's the whole team. And they're expected to win. They're expected to go. And then that's the whole thing. They're going to win everything. And that's the story in the movie. They win all the games and they win the championship. The game's over. That's it. That's all that happens. There's nothing, you know. <laughs> no. I mean, obviously, something's going to happen that's going to mess things up, and that will create drama for the season. And the basic movie is following basically four or five of the kind of, of key players in this team and kind of how the year plays out for them. You know, you got Booby Miles and, you know, what happens to him. I don't, I'm not going to, I guess, give away anything to anyone who hasn't seen it. You know, do his dreams make it or not. We have uh, 
one guy on there that's, and I don't know if I wrote down. Yeah. Billingsley. He's the, he's the kid whose dad was the core, you know, won in the championship. And now his dad is riding him hard to be the star now. And he, he's kind of like the loser kid in his dad's eyes. And he can't, he can't never measure up, you know, and his dad's a drunk and all that kind of stuff. And then you've got a few other players and they all have their, their stories. Overall, I liked this movie enough, but boy, oh boy, has it got a lot of cheese and a lot of corn. <laughs> I think the thing that I didn't like about this movie is the presentation. For me, this feels pretty dated. It feels very, I want to say 90s, but it's not 90s. It's early thousands, but it has like tons of needle drops. And you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to be your dog by the Stooges pops in there and all these like heavy driving songs for, the, for another football montage. And all the, all the main characters are not characters. They're just types. Like I could, you could describe each character by the exactly what his characteristic is. Like I just said, you know, the kid who can't live up to his father's standards, the kid who's the cocky superstar, or the kid who's the backup court, you know, backup to Booby, who's never expects to make it. So as far as that goes, it's kind of one dimensional, but it's kind of one dimensional that, that pretty much works. It's entertaining. But the thing that I thought was the most disappointing to me about this movie is it was so dour. This movie is not what I thought it was going to be. I thought this movie would be like the underdog team, which are not an underdog team. They start out as the the, the favorites. The underdog team that, you know, somehow almost makes it or makes it. One of those two stories, right? And you follow them to the end. And I love that. That can be really entertaining and fun. But this movie is kind of just, it's like, life kind of sucks. If you're in high school and you're in football, it kind of sucks. And a lot of pressure is put on you and it kind of sucks. And I... I didn't like that so much. Overall, I would give it a barely recommend of three stars. I know people love it, but for me, it was yeah, so-so. Okay, so that's Friday Night Lights. I, I remember yeah. loving it, but I haven't seen it, actually, Bruce, to be fair, since that year. Yeah. And I remember loving that movie a lot. Eric, are you a big fan of Friday Night Lights, the movie? Yeah, and, and actually, the, the stuff I love about it was kind of the stuff that Bruce didn't like about it. Go figure. Uh, we're yeah. odds with the movie. Yeah. But... <laughs> But so, uh, let me get, let the, me guess. The, oh, go ahead. You, Eric, does that mean you love football with a passion and you love comedy and Bruce doesn't? Is that what I heard? <laughs> from this? I don't think that's quite the takeaway. Oh, okay, but, um, You're just mad because the Nuggets won. I know what's I, wrong with you, Greg. I, I, no I, comment I, on that. I, I think what carried a lot of this movie for me was the, not the soundtrack, but the score. The Explosions oh, yeah. in the Sky, I think, is the band that does the score. Um, mm-hmm. That that really worked for me. The uh, dark tone of it worked for me. It was kind of like like I I didn't I didn't hate Varsity Blues, but I didn't love Varsity Blues. This seems like the like I remember when it came out. Like it, all my friends were talking about how great Varsity Blues was, and it's fine. But this is the movie that I thought they were describing. So when I finally saw Friday Night Lights, I'm like, oh, someone. Someone finally did it. They finally made the good version of Varsity Blues, which is kind of where I'm at on this one. Okay, what is your rating, Eric Holmes, on Friday Night Lights? I give this a I give this a five. I've seen I I didn't watch it this week, but I mean I've I've seen it plenty. The, this one's uh, all timer for me. Okay, oh, wow, all timer! My goodness. Well, and, yeah. I think more people are in are in Eric's camp too, yeah. and I think that is the consensus. People love this movie. I was just like, it wasn't what I wanted. I guess and, to be. That's fair. So, and it's probably Peter Berg's best movie. I think. Like he, right. uh, well, well, when, uh, I mean, very bad things. Hancock, good, but what, no, 
No. Hancock. <laughs> is Hancock's 81 favorite movie by Peter Berg? Right. What is it? 22 Mile? What is the other one that he did with Mark Wahlberg? Anyways, yeah, Peter Berg's. Oh, yeah, the movies. one where the guy's behind yeah. enemy lines or whatever that one's. What is that one called? Uh, God, yeah, Lone Peter, Survivor? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Lone Survivor. Right, right, right. Lone That's Survivor. a pretty good movie. Now, speaking of pretty good movies, Bruce, hopefully for the next What's in the Box pick, you'll have a good movie for you to watch next week. What's in the bleeping box, Bruce? What's in the box? Hopefully a Mark Pellington movie. We'll see. Yeah. (laughs) We should start putting Mark Pellington movies, right? We didn't mention that. He meant he gave us, listen to the interview when it comes out, because he gave us some great suggestions for the box. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, This was suggested by, first of all, Beyond Human Range director. Do you know? remember Beyond Human Human Range? I don't even remember that. I I don't remember Beyond Human Range. I don't either. Do you? Yeah, my goodness. Maybe maybe we just made that We have something in here. (laughs) We're just all senile. We're all senile. Uh, Mr. Death. Oh, Oh, Mr. Death. That's directed by the guy who did Thin Blue Line, right? Is that an Errol Morris movie? I I think it might be. I don't think I've seen this one. Is this about the guy who does does like the... Kevorkian, maybe? No, I don't think it's... Okay. Yeah, maybe it is. I could be wrong. I I was wrong with Sophie at the beginning, like an idiot. So I don't trust myself. <laughs> so beyond, beyond, beyond human range. I have no idea what that is. Well, we've got to look that up. At least we, we I can't believe we don't even. Yeah. Uh, beyond human nature. I've seen. Maybe. Yeah, be, well, okay. Do you, you know, remember, me, I always write stuff down wrong. So who got Do, do you guys remember those? a movie we, we did called Dakra several years back? Do you remember Dakra? Yes, Dakra <laughs> was like the, was it a, I want to say, hang on, hang on, Tunisian? Tunisian yeah. horror movie, yeah. And over, I remember it had a really the, good uh, dinner scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And over the years, there's been people who've commented on our deepest dream YouTube channel, saying, "Oh, by the way, that's how the way the people are yelling at each other. That's how how we argue in the in the whole thing." <laughs> remember, we were complaining about like they are. Do they really argue like that? And people say, "Yeah, they they do argue like that." Anyways, we are we are finally done. We were just we finished with Mark Pellington thing. We're cinematics episode 194 is pretty much over. Eric Holmes, you got a couple things to say before we get out of here? Yes, uh, I gave uh, Bone Cold a 4.5 stars, and it's great. Greg, what do you give it? I'm giving it four stars. Four stars. Uh, I love. Okay? Did, did I not give Bone Cold a, a rating? <laughs> no, you didn't. But I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to pump the brakes again because I already did that with the uh, blue jean. Oh no! Always do that. I keep uh, yes. Right. Four stars for bone for bone cold for me. My God, my bad on that. I should interstitch that that comment on our bone cold review, which I'll put up on the YouTube channel. Yes, Eric. I I do know what I want to bring up. Yes, I uh, can go to findyourfilmpodcast dot com, and there's a new T shirt design up there, inspired by Miami Vice, and the name Cinematics is what very, it says on there. Very it's good. A family Eric. show. It's a, it's a family show. Eric Holmes doing, doing the, the, the quote unquote, I would say the Lord's work, but do, doing the hard work for us over at Cinematics and find your film with some really interesting merch, Miami Vice inspired, I guess. So Cinematics or Cinema Dicks, it's a, it's a family show. show. We, make, we mean private investigators. We have a private investigator thing. Uh, again, findyourfilmpodcast.com and that's where you can find us. But you can find Bruce right now because he's going to give the final quote of the day. Quote? What's not a quote? It's just a thought. I, I was watching Greg, one of your uh, video reviews just this week, and yeah. all I could think to myself was, "God damn, that man has nice hair." And that's what I was thinking when I was watching it. Five star banger to Greg's hair. 
No comment. We'll see you next week here at Cinemax. Take care. Thank you, Bruce.